Well, hello and welcome back to Face the Facts. I'm your host, April Moss, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Joanna Harabedian, and she is the author of the book, Seven Mistakes Women Make That Repel Good Men. And we're excited to dive into this book. You're also a relationship coach as well and former Miss America pageant uh, title holder. And wow, so many great, great accolades, Joanna. It's great to have you on the show today. We're, we're glad you're here. Thank you, April. It's awesome to be here. And I appreciate the work that you do. You, you're amazing. And beautiful. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Well, you know, when I was reading up about you, I thought it was really interesting that you've pretty much dissected what's happened in the last three years since 2020 and the toll that um, not only just the shutdowns, the lockdowns, uh, the pandemic caused on, on people in general, but you had some pretty interesting statistics that you shared uh, that divorce rates went up. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that and, and what your book entails and how you help couples uh, stay together. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And it's, it's a vital topic right now. You know, divorce is increased by 34%. And I saw a new statistic that one out of four people is currently lonely. One out mm -hmm. of four. And so we've all been through a lot of trauma these last few years, you know, with the lockdowns, with job loss, business loss. You know, finances have been tough. Men have had to work from home. And then you also have the media programming, this predictive programming that has been emasculating men and just really pushing this female dominance. And if we look at what's happening right now with the skyrocketing divorce rates, with the family uh, unit falling apart, these relationships are falling apart, it's clearly not working. And so my heart in this book is to help couples come back to that place of connection, come back to that place of mutual honor and respect. And I made every single one of these mistakes in the book. So women were already, are already making mistakes that we don't even realize that we're doing. And I want to give you a really simple example of this. Yeah, I'd love to so, hear it. Yeah, so just the other day, I was on Facebook and a fr good friend of mine, she's married and she loves her husband and she would never do anything to, you know, emasculate him publicly on Facebook. But uh, what she did was she posted, and this, this is the perfect example of this cultural programming. So what she did was she posted a meme that had a kid acting crazy, you know, cause it was acting out. And she said, this is a perfect example of the bad qualities of your child uh, as your husband's fault. You know, it was something to that effect. And so, it, sure, it's funny, haha. but actually what, what she's done and doesn't even realize it is she's emasculated her husband. Yeah. And, yeah. And then another quote that we hear often is happy wife, happy life. But yep. what, what does that symbolize, actually, though? It symbolizes my number one chapter in the book called Whiffem, What's In It For Me. So if only the wife is happy, what about the husband? Yeah, and, the and also, you know, I, I think that's a really great topic to talk about because, you know, it it really we, we know so many women that can be manipulative or controlling. 
And I mean, that's not healthy either in, in a relationship at all. And yeah. um, people that, you know, t- tend to say happy wife, happy life are, uh, there's a lot of them that are just controlling women um, that just want their way and are selfish even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, that's yeah. true. And that's the core of the Whiffen syndrome. What's in it for me? syndrome. And I initially, I, you know, and I'll use this for teaching purposes. We'll go a little cliche, Mr. Wrong, Mr. Potential, Mr. Right. So I was initially married to Mr. Wrong. And the second day after we were married, he said, I don't love you. And that was the beginning of hell. Yeah. It was a crazy story. It's in the book. And so through that, I was, God rescued me out of that um, very toxic relationship and I, my divorce is final. I'm on the floor in a little flat in Europe and I'm crying my eyes out and I'm asking God, you know, I thought you told me to marry this guy. This my dreams are shattered. My, my life feels shattered, you know, but hold up a mirror to my face. So I asked God to hold up a spiritual mirror to my face and show me how I ended up in this mess. And the very first thing that the Holy Spirit highlighted to me, and I want to, you know, it takes courage to humble yourself and ask God to show you what's inside. Because when he shows you and what you see, it's not ugly. It's not pretty. It's quite ugly. And that's where the Wiffham syndrome, God showed me what that was. I married, if I'm honest, I initially married Mr. Wrong because when I, my needs were selfishly motivated. So I had a selfish heart. It was what he was going to do for me, how he was going to provide for me, how he was going to help my dreams come true. He was going to help me birth my ministry was me, 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 me. And so, and that is one of the root issues of divorces is the Wiffham syndrome. What's in it for me? And so as I went through my journey of creating awareness and of what I was doing, why I was doing, because we have to understand why do we feel controlling? Why do we feel like we have to tell people what to do? Why do we always have to be right? Why can't we say sorry? If we dig a little bit deeper with courage and grace for ourselves, then we'll see a, a story that that will begin to unravel on the inside and you'll go, Oh, wow. I, I, I'm doing this because X, Y, Z. Oh, I have fear because I was rejected way back when, and I'm not healed from that fear. And so that's what happened with me as I began to walk through this journey with God of this inner transformation. And so every, every mistake that I put in this book, I did myself. So, and I'm being honest about it to help women get honest with themselves. I can't tell you, April, how many women I have met in my journey as a minister with my husband, David, who have been married for 20 years, 30 years. And then all of a sudden their husband says, I want a divorce. I don't love you. And then there's somebody else in the picture and she's devastated. And she's clueless as to why she doesn't know what happened. But you see these seven core principles that I talk that I talk about in the book, will highlight to her what happened for her part. Because I talk about, we, we have, a, we have one coin and we have two sides of that coin. We have the men's side of the coin and we have the women's side of the coin, but each is 100% responsible for their actions. Now was, was all the horrible things that my Mr. Wrong did, right? No, it was, it was bad, but I also had to take responsibility where I made mistakes in the marriage, regardless of what he did. What did I do that contributed to the failure of the marriage? Because it takes two to to tango. Number one, why did I pick Mr. Wrong to begin with? And why did I marry him? Nobody forced me to get married. I allowed myself to get pressure to get married. And so, but without doing a deep dive, I, I wouldn't have uncovered these things. And this is what I help women with 
in the seven mistakes is how to do this deep dive to un unravel the layers to see what's really going on the inside. So you can have those romance results. So you can have a, an incredible marriage because mm -hmm. it's one thing to attract a good guy, but if you don't have the skills to maintain that marriage, that relationship, then you're going to have, a, then there'll be that divorce statistic. And see, after that first one, you know, I initially didn't ever want to get married again because of the trauma that I went through. So I had to get healed of the trauma first. And then, you know, as I was single and then started making mistakes and then God began to highlight why I was doing this. And, you know, I talk about the mentors that I had on the way on these men that I met who didn't even know they were my mentor, but they were my greatest teachers to help me learn myself because I was willing to look at me and, and see what I can, I, I can do different that will get me better results. It does actually take a lot of courage to do that because it then, then it requires you to be accountable to um, really changing. And I feel like change is something that we as a people are just so against. So many people just don't want change. Um, but it's really great that you were able to not only take that time to self-reflect, but also to say, all right, I'm going to address this head on. Now you and your husband together, uh, do you do ministry together? We do. You know, it's, it's really beautiful. Um, I was single and celibate for 16 years. David was single and celibate for, uh, you know, he went through in his early twenties, he went through this dating phase where, you know, he did it every chick under the sun. And God took him and delivered him out of that through his, he's got an incredible story himself. And so when we came together, God had already molded him to, and he had allowed God to mold him to be the man he needed to be. And God had molded me. I had allowed God to mold me to be the woman that I, I needed to be. Because if I hadn't practiced and learned these core principles that I teach in the book, I wouldn't have attracted a man like David. I would have been in that same wash repeat cycle or probably in two other, three other divorces, you know, different face, different place. And I didn't mm -hmm. want to be in that place. So when David and I came together, we actually didn't, weren't attracted to each other. Initially, I didn't know this was my future husband. I wasn't looking for a man. I was, I was complete within myself. And so I wasn't, you know, out searching. And so at that time, and so we became friends and over time, I, I lived in California at the time. He lived in Missouri. We became pair, prayer partners, friends. And then about almost a year went by of this. And then he invited me to sing at a church in California. He didn't know I sang in Hebrew. And so what, the minute I walked set my foot in the door, it was like a, a, a veil was lifted off and we had this mutual instant spark. And so we both tried to deny it at first because, you know, my husband's mm -hmm. very handsome. He's very dynamic. He's amazing. And so then we dialogued. Hey, we're talking, you're, David, and I let him initiate it. He said, I'm attracted to you. How do you feel? I said, well, I'm attracted to you too. So we decided to explore a courtship. And in this process, we were going to determine if we were meant for marriage. And if not, then we would still stay friends. And, um, and if so, then, and God was calling us to marriage, then we would, and he did. And, um, and so we do everything together. We work together, we live together, we minister together, um, which is Beautiful. very unusual. Yeah. And if I didn't have the skills that I do, we wouldn't be able to do those things. Right. Yeah. Most people would say there's no way I could work, you know, with my husband, uh, you know, and, and just 
all of that, that entails, right? Of doing ministry together or running businesses together. Uh, my husband and I actually do work together and, yeah. you know, live together. We both work from home. So we, uh, we've had people say the same thing to us. Well, we wouldn't be able to do that, but, um, but it works. And we've been happily married for 18 years. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm I'm curious, um, you know, some of these other mistakes that you're talking about in the book, do uh, is communication one of the top ones that you would say where people aren't um, you know, they they find themselves not getting along with a spouse or a partner because they're not communicating what their needs are or there there's some sort of um gap with the communication in the relationship. Oh, absolutely. That's, that is key right there. In fact, you know, the top three reasons for divorce are lack of commitment, um, lack of communication and infidelity. Now, if you look at men statistically cheat more than women, but women statistically, which this was shocking to me, 70% of women initiate divorce. And one of the top reasons is because of unmet and unrealistic expectations they don't know how to communicate. And I, I did that the first time around with, you know, with Mr. Wrong. And so this is all, what my book is all about. And there's all, there's different ways of communicating. There's different ways of responding. And so like, for example, this one is, is a classic, a woman who doesn't know how to receive. And that was me initially. I, I couldn't receive. It took me years to learn how to receive a compliment from someone, you know, but it's, it's, it's very prevalent. But here's how this translates into a marriage, because it's a simple, uh, it's a simple reflection. So God had showed me this vision that I was give, making a beautiful bouquet of flowers for my friend. And I was putting in, you know, colors, the fragrances, the meaning of the flowers. It was a, for a special occasion to honor her. So I, I give her this beautiful bouquet and she looks at this bouquet and she scowls and she goes, oh. And then she grabs the bouquet and slaps me in the face, petals flying everywhere in this vision. I'm like, and I went, oh, then I was angry. Then I felt rejected. And, and God showed me, this is how you make a man feel, Joanna. When he gives you a compliment, that's the gift, the, the bouquet of flowers. And you reject that compliment because you say to him, oh, the, uh, you're just saying that. You just want something or, oh, I, well, I look fat. I look bloated today. I mm -hmm. did all that. And so in a marriage, what am I saying? Let's say my husband buys, you know, some lingerie for me and he comes home with the lingerie. He went to the store. He picked it out. He stood in line. He even bought a little card and I look at it and, and I say, you just have an ulterior motive. Why did you buy this? What do you want? What have I just now done to him? I've emasculated him. Number one, I rejected mm -hmm. him. I called him a liar and I told him that I don't want to have sex with him. He may as well go have sex with somebody else because mm -hmm. that's what I've said without saying it in rejecting him. And so I don't realize that's what I've done. And this is big because, you know, as a woman, if we can't receive a compliment from someone, we're then rejecting them. And men, I ha they have what I call the inner superhero. So learning how to activate that inner superhero in him is huge. That's a big form of communication. And we don't realize that. Like, for example, when mm -hmm. David takes out the trash, he, he, I, don't, I don't ask him to take out the trash. He'll take it out. And then he doesn't put the bag in the trash can. Well, mm -hmm. instead of me saying, 
you didn't put the bag in the trash. Why, why, didn't you, why, why do you keep doing that? What have I just now done? This is a classic example. I have now emasculated him. I've told him, stop taking out the trash. And I've now told him, I'm not, what you did was not right. I'm not happy with what you did. This is how you need to do it. So then he thinks to himself, well, I was trying to be nice and take out the trash. Well, I'm not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? He stops taking out the trash. Then I start getting angry and then it becomes this hamster wheel. But let's, let's re- rewrite this. David brings, takes out the trash. I see there's no trash bag in there. I just put a trash bag in there and I say, honey, thank you for taking out the trash. You're amazing. Have I told you how awesome you are? And he starts beaming and then he, he wants to take out the trash again. And then, then he'll do something else. So there's no manipulation here. It's, it's showing honor and it's showing respect. But see, these are some of the little things that women don't realize that they're doing. And this is what contributes to the communication problem because he's thinking, well, all she does is criticize me. Nothing I do is right. And she's thinking, God, he's lazy. And so she's got this, you know, seeing him as a lazy person, even though he actually is taking out the trash. So that's really not lazy. It's just not doing the way she wants it. So we have to learn how to come in that place where we acknowledge what he's done. And I address this in the book. So there's, I have these step-by-step on how to get these skills and these little tools that um, help unlock better communication, help unlock and re- and respark, you know, and reignite the marriage. Because when you have this ugly hamster wheel of you did this, you did that, you did this, you did that, well, what happens? The spark dies, right? Well, that, and you know, it compounds on top of one another. And then before you know it, there's so many things that you're upset about or that have hurt you that it it ends up just becoming, you know, a a blowout type of fight eventually, um, which isn't good either. Um, You know, a lot of what you shared reminded me of the, one of the books that my husband and I read when we were first married by Emerson Egrich uh, called Love and Respect. Mm -hmm. And, um, very similar principles is that women want to feel loved and men want to feel respected. And when women understand how to respect their men, um, then they in turn can love their woman better because they feel so respected. And women want to give respect to their husbands when they feel loved. Um, and so, yeah, that's I, that book has helped us in our marriage so much. I can already tell there's so many people in our audience that would benefit from your book, whether your marriage is healthy and great mm-hmm. or you're just starting out in life. This this would absolutely be helpful to everybody um, because all marriages take work and and it's not like you can just, oh, life is great and put it on autopilot. It's definitely something you have to continue to nurture as the years go on. Mm -hmm. It is. You know, it's funny as I had uh, several editors um, read my book and, and they're married and, you know, they're happily married, but they read my book. And one of them told me, she said, Joanna, you know, I've been married for over 30 years. And she said, I have a great guy. She says, but your book is transformational. She said, I read your book and it has been transformational for me and I'm in a happy marriage. And she said, and I'll find myself doing these little things that you talk about in the book. And I catch myself and I correct it. One of my other editors, she told me, she says, well, this content is amazing, Joanna. And she says, there's only one problem. I said, what? She said, I just read chapter seven, the director. And she says, I am chapter seven. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's amazing. 
Yeah, it is. And and even when if you're single, you know, we, we have to have the tools as a single person because that's going to help you stand out. You know, when you know how to have a healthy conversation, how to ex- accept a compliment and even know how to look for red flags in a non-condemning way. You know, like one of the when David and I were getting to know each other when we were we were in our friendship stage, one of the little things because David says little keys unlock big doors and big doors swing on small hinges. And so mm-hmm. I was determined I'm not making any mistakes like I did last time, you know, with Mr. Wrong. And so we were on the phone, he was talking and, and then he had to get out. He had to, so hold on a second. Let me just get this call really quick. And then he left me on the internal hole. And then, mm-hmm. so I didn't say anything the first time. So then this happens again, the second time now I'm getting irritated. And so I had two choices on how to handle this. And mind you, we were just in our friendship stage. So I prayed about it. I released my irritation to God. And then uh, when we were in a good space, I, I said to David, I said, hey, you know, can, can I ask you something? He said, sure. I said, well, you know, I know you would never intentionally dishonor me or disrespect my time. He said, no, I wouldn't. See, I immediately assumed he's, yep. I know he wouldn't do this on purpose. And then mm-hmm. I said, um, you know, can you do me a favor when we're on a call and you have to take another call? I understand uh, it's just, can you just let me know you have to get off as our call. So that way I'm not on, on hold for eternal and uh, eternally. And you know, <laughs> my time is respected. He's like, Oh, well, sure. I'm really sorry. But see, had I responded with, you know, you're so rude. You've left me on hold forever twice. I can't believe you did that. Mm-hmm. He would have looked at me like, Oh my God, what is her problem? Right. And so, yep. but because I knew how to communicate in a way that was non-accusatory and that takes practice and you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Yep. Right. Um, but because I was able to communicate in this way, in an mm-hmm. honoring way, it's a superhero, what I call superhero activator. I was able to activate that in a way that wasn't going to demean him, but still call out when needed to be called out. And then he didn't do it again. Yeah. I mean, there's that communication, right? You just right. being very honest with him about how he made you feel so that it wasn't repeated again. Right. Um, right. I think little things like that are so key. Uh, in a relationship. And and two, for those that are listening that have children that are watching your marriage, because it's absolutely what our kids do is they are going to view what marriage is based off of the environment you have in your home. And um, it's so important to get these skills done as fast as you can, you know, as early as you can in your marriage, so that as your children are being raised, they're watching how, you know, how mom doesn't scream at dad or yell at him, but she you know, very calmly, you know, talks to him about something or vice versa that the husband isn't walking around slamming doors and angry, um, but that there's, you know, communication. I'll never forget. I think there was a a couple of years ago and um, our boys came to us one day and they were like, mom, dad, we're really concerned because you, you and um, mom, you were like having a disagreement. And, and, yeah. and we just started laughing and we were like, yeah, we were having a disagreement. And I said, well, we never raised our voices, but you need to see that because in yeah. your marriage, when you grow up, you need to know that this is normal and it's never going to be always everyone agreeing. And, Mm-mm. and that's healthy for you to see us work this out. And, you know, you can see that we're trying to discuss through our disagreement here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a healthy thing for kids to witness when it's done properly and, and respectfully. 
Mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. And, and that is spot on. And, you know, I had a, I had a women's conference called women of royalty, um, not too long ago. And I had this woman who literally, she came to the conference and she had her divorce papers signed and she Mm -hmm. was going to hand them to her husband. And she had disdain for her husband. I mean, she couldn't stand it. They've been married a long time. And so, but everything was about how she was traumatized and she was this and she was that because he did this and he did this and he did that. And so uh, my conferences are more on the, the he, I do healing conferences, you know? And so, so she went through the conference and I coached her and we, she began to learn the principles. Well, let me tell you, I am so happy to say that she called me, she said, Joanna, she says, you are just not going to believe I am in love with my husband more than I ever have been in my life. And we've been married for 25 years. And she wow. said, yeah. And, and, and it, she didn't change her husband, but she changed mm. herself and how she was responding to him. And she began to identify the things that she was doing. That was one of the seven mistakes that women make. And she didn't realize it. And she practiced tremendous courage by being willing to look at herself and do the practice, the principles and sure, you, you know, they would still get into fights, but the fights were different and they were less intense and then they, they shifted. So over time things change and they are so happy. He's he, now he gives her the love that she wanted, but now she also knows, learn, has learned how to love him. And in turn, he loves her the way she needs. And they've had conversations and talks and forgiven each other. It's been beautiful. So I know these principles work because I did it myself and I practice it in my marriage. And, you know, you obviously practice it in, in your marriage. Yeah. But I'm over here thinking, I can't wait to read this book. So, <laughs> so to everybody listening or watching, uh, head over to seven mistakes book.com and, uh, get your copy. And I'm just thinking, you know, this is uh, debuts on Valentine's day and what a great gift to, to give to your kids, your adult kids, um, you know, even your parents, right. Even grandparents, um, can benefit from this as well. So, uh, fantastic. Joanna, it was such an honor to have you on the show and I look forward to having you back on and maybe we'll talk about other topics too. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, April. And we have much more to share and discuss. I'm sure. Sounds great. Thanks again. Thank you.